Bet365 sponsors our podcast and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favorite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalized bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Starcast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. This week, we dive deep into the mess that is Schalke and Ulfi after they send David Wagner packing. Mainz also fired a manager after the wrong sort of industrial action. The Dortmund are lacking mentality and application segment is backed by unpopular demand and as Bayern unexpectedly stumbled at Hoffenheim to reopen a title race many felt was over after match day one, we ask, could this really be Augsburg's year? All of this and a little more in this edition of Stahlkast. Welcome, dear listener, and welcome to Christoph Biermann and our special guest, Oliver Müller. But before we mine the madness of Gelsenkirchen for nuggets of insight and other excavation-based puns, here's a small reminder that you can read The Athletic's fine Bundesliga coverage for only £1 per month at the moment. Go to theathletic.com slash Stahlkastpod to sign up. Oliver, I think we'll start with you. Thanks for, for being our guest today. Uh, Schalke and Ulfir have fired their manager, David Wagner, after yet another defeat. Uh, 18 games without a win. A terrible run stretching back to January of this year. And also uh, the worst start ever by a Bundesliga club after two games. David Wagner's time was up, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think it was not a big surprise uh, that Schalke took this decision. I think the bigger surprise was it when you take a look at the situation of the club that this decision hadn't been taken. By the end of last season, it was obvious that uh, David Wagner had quite some problems uh, to, to work with a team that performed really well in the first half of the last season. But uh, in the second half of the season, the club went into deep trouble and also the team went into deep trouble for several kind of reasons. Uh, Christoph, why, why, did you think, why do you think that um, Schalke stuck with, with Wagner? Were they believing that uh, somehow things would turn around or did they just simply not have any viable alternative? I think that um, Jochen Schneider really liked to work with uh, David Wagner and I, I think um, everybody at Schalke held um, uh, David Wagner in high esteem for a long time and maybe that was one of the reasons why they were thinking that he could turn it round. But uh, on the other hand side, I think this team needed a kind of new influence, maybe by other players and or a new coach. And they had neither. Um, so they had just had players coming back who most of them made the impression as if they would uh, prefer to play somewhere else. 
um, at the teams they were loaned to, and so no, almost no new players coming in, and so so everybody, everything has become uh, stale and frozen and uh, frustrated, and uh, with this terrible start of the season, I think it was obvious um, that uh, David Wagner couldn't turn it round. And I think Jochen Schneider and Michael Reschke were really hoping that he he could turn it round and were. Uh, to an extent optimistic and on the other hand side I think there it's obvious that uh, Schalke doesn't have the money uh, they don't have money at all in the end and uh, they were thinking maybe they the little bit of money they they have they didn't want to invest it in a in a new manager but now they have to Jochen Schneider the sporting director Michael Reschke the uh, squad planner and uh, and technical director at the club Uh, I think it's only fair to look at some of the structural problems that predate David Wagner and might outlast him as well. But before that, Oliver, do you think that at some level Wagner's inexperience also showed a little bit? This was his first job at the top flight in Germany, having only coached at Huddersfield at this level before. It felt to me as if he'd sort of kind of lost his way. He was reacting to defeats, then changing things, changing personnel, changing tactics. And I think in the end, it was very difficult to understand what, what kind of football idea he really represented. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. I mean, there are two sides of, of this problem Schalke has to solve right now. Uh, the first problem is, is the structure of the club. Maybe we can talk a little bit later about this. Um, the second problem is that um, David Wagner, I mean, when he came to Schalke, He was not first picked for Jochen Schneider. I think he dreamt of, of, of somebody like uh, Marco Rose, um, maybe also of Ralf Rangnick, um, a manager that had a, a clear mind of how the team should play. Okay, David Wagner was also known to, to, to play with uh, a lot of pressing in a very aggressive style, like uh, his mentor, if you can call it like this, Jürgen Klopp did. And uh, then he came and it worked out or it looked like it would work out really well in the first half of the season. But then um, after some some problems were coming into the team, uh, it looked like he couldn't solve these problems. Um, it's like we say always a good manager has to have a another plan if his tactical uh, strategy doesn't work out anymore then he has to change something and uh, obviously um, david wagner failed uh, maybe you can draw conclusions what happened to him at huddersfield what happened to him when he worked as a young manager in the youth department of borussia dortmund uh, There are some similarities. It started really well. It looked like a clear strategy, but from one point down, this didn't work out anymore. And then he has got difficulties to, to, to transform the team into another system, into another tactics. Mm. Well, Christoph, you've been calling Schalke 04 the new hamburger as far for, for quite some time now. And it does look as if they're stuck in some kind of death spiral at the moment. How bad do you think this is going to get before it gets better uh, in light of the structural issues that the club has David Wagner aside a lot of it depends on on the decision for the manager for this season because um, now they are serious relegation candidate 
Um, so, and if, if Schalke ends up in the second division with uh, debts piling up, and so I think it will be even worse uh, than Hamburg. So now they have to find a manager who is able to keep this team with all its problems. Um, we have already discussed, I mean, they, they for example, they're lacking a right defender and uh, Sebastian Rudy, he is who is a midfield player, has to play right defenders and there are several positions uh, within the team and within the squad where they don't have a proper solution and and you need a you need a manager now that is able to deal with it and uh, keep Schalke um, in the Bundesliga because I think they won't be able uh, to a serious extent to strengthen the squad uh, not uh, before the deadline day um, this time and I think also not in winter and uh, so I think this is, uh, decision is crucial right now. And who is it going to be? I mean there are a, a lot of names flying around I can tell you who it It should be not a name, but it. I think it needs somebody who is a has a lot of experience and brings a lot of empathy because uh, these players have been under so much uh, stress in in recent months, and you could see that with Ozan Kabak, the the young defender who was there was an outrage because he was uh, spitting at one is, uh, of his opponents in the match against Werder Bremen and maybe he gets uh, suspended for for some games but to me it shows uh, only how big the stress and the frustration is and and you you need somebody you, you need a person who, who is able to to reach these players also as as as, as men as as people as as human beings and and on the other hand side who has uh, tactical solutions um, uh, to lead them uh, out of this crisis so what you're saying is it's not going to be Felix Magath <laughs> but maybe Hoop Stevens I mean flying Dutchman after Wagner that would kind of work Oliver Müller yeah Hoop Stevens is always an option for Schalke 04 because uh, he's he's still very near to the club but on the other hand they tried it so many times with him um, and uh, the last time was one and a half year ago after they 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 fired Domenico Tedesco the predecessor of David Wagner and then again Hoop Stevens had to come step into and uh, try to avoid which he did successfully relegation with, with Schalke 04 uh, in the last season so um, yeah maybe it's an option but um, the cruel thing would be to find someone can work with this team the problem is like Christoph mentioned the economical disaster the club is into so the new coach who's coming he has got no opportunities in order to change players the only opportunity would be if they sell another good player and then maybe you can you can go and buy someone you desperately needed and um, they also have another problem and that is in the last season a lot of players were, were leaving Schalke on a loan basis and because of the economical problems they have to come back and now they have to work again and play in a club which obviously didn't want to have them anymore in, in the last year. So this is also uh, one of the problems Schalke has. I think Schalke is uh, still a big name 
but it's not uh, a top address for uh, for a good coach, uh, for an experienced coach, for example, like Ralf Rangnick. And this is another side of this problem. So no chance for Rangnick, you think? I mean, in many ways, he would be the ideal candidate, but perhaps it's not too tempting for him. I think he would fit in perfectly because uh, he also knows Jochen Schneider. They work together in, at Leipzig. They work together at Stuttgart. They've got the same idea of football, but uh, I think uh, Rangnick is someone who wants to change the team in order to, to get some players who can adapt his style of football. And uh, Schalke has really no chance to, uh, to make any changes with with the current lineup this this is uh, something that um, I, would not be able to accept it and I said he also made it really clear that Schalke is not an option for him at the moment I, I thought he perhaps left a small door open when he was asked about the job saying I don't want to say no immediately but yeah it didn't sound too enthusiastic. Christoph, do you think there's any chance for him returning? I think he is tempted on the one hand side, but on the other hand side, he has established a special kind of, of working over the years and that there is, big money is involved. Uh, he had it twice, uh, uh, at first time at Hoffenheim and later on at Leipzig, where he could spend an enormous amount of money, but developing his ideas, working with young players, having a, a playing philosophy everybody is following in, in a club. And he, he could do it under the circumstances of new clubs. Or uh, I mean, Hoffenheim was not technical new, but um, Hoffenheim was new within uh, professional football at that time. And, uh, and, and Leipzig came from scratch, more or less. And he, he, he really recently said um, uh, this weekend now he, he would like to combine uh, this approach establishing a, a football philosophy and uh, invest a lot of money at the same time within the framework of a, a, a traditional football club I think that's why he was um, uh, talking with Milan um, uh, it, in summer and uh, I think they went pretty far but in the end uh, AC Milan decided to go another way and I think Schalke could be the or could have been the perfect playing field for him at the time when they had money but now they don't have money and I think in the end he, he won't take the risk uh, because uh, maybe you end up in the second division and everybody is frustrated and 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 you can't move it fast. It will be a long and complicated process and he, he wants to bring in a lot of specialists uh, and he w wouldn't have the money for it. So yes, he would like to, but in the end he will, uh, will decide against it. Wouldn't it be great if every clothing store you shopped at had only your size, the stars you like and everything at the price you want? Well, Stitch Fix is a company focused on doing just that. It's an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love simple. It's a completely different way to shop and it's all about you. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk slash to set up your profile and they'll deliver great looks personalized just for you. You'll pay a £10 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep. Schedule at any time with no subscription. Delivery and returns are completely free and easy, so you can always send back items that aren't right for you. 
get started with Stitch Fix today by going to stitchfix.co.uk slash diecast right now and make sure you use our show's name to support our podcast. Oliver, while we have you on the pod, I think it would be a miss not to also talk about another club in crisis uh, in the Royal Pod, that's Dortmund, um, <laughs> after another <laughs> uh, disappointing result against Augsburg I do exaggerate slightly they're of course not in crisis but it's the sort of game the sort of defeat that I think will bring back questions we've been asking ourselves and not just us on this pod forever which is when will they finally find a way to be a little bit more consistent is this simply not possible with Lucien Favre in charge? It's a good question. Um, I mean, at first, um, if you put it uh, that Dortmund is in crisis, then it would be a crisis Schalke would dream of. But uh, you're right, definitely. Again, like uh, in, in the first year of Lucien Favre, like in the second year of Lucien Favre, he's now in, go in, in the third season with, with the BVB. They had some problems and the problems you could put under the headline, uh, the missing of consistency, of, of stability when it comes to direct uh, matches with, with Bayern München. They often could not show uh, the performance they are capable of would be interesting. They're playing the Super Cup tomorrow against Bayern München. It's only the Super Cup, but uh, it will be an interesting match, of course. And yeah, another problem is um, sometimes after they've shown a good performance, like in this season when they started against Borussia Mönchengladbach, it was a match on, on a, a tactical, really high level and uh, where the young players like uh, Jaden Sancho, like uh, Gio Reyna and of course Erling Haaland could show their, their individual, individual class. But then again, one week later, they played um, against a smaller opponent, if you would put it like this, uh, in Augsburg. And they played very physical and uh, the Augsburg team. And, uh, and this is something, uh, especially the young players of Borussia Dortmund um, have their difficulties. Uh, Favre says uh, it's just a natural part of the process. I can't do anything about it, so to say. But this, of course, will not be accepted by the supporters who who, who dreaming of, of becoming German champion and also will not be accepted uh, sometimes uh, of the board of, of Borussia Dortmund, who also dreams big, um, especially uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke, the CEO, who's, who's uh, someone... Uh, who always wants to repeat this this big time of the club under Jurgen Klopp. But I think um, it's not fair to, to say it's only fault of Lucien Favre. It's also the consequence of, of the team building process throughout the last years. They have a lot of young players. They are highly skilled, but uh, of course, uh, the development of the personalities of these young players, especially uh, to, uh, to learn that they have to uh, repeat their performances week after week after week. Uh, it's not so easy. I spoke to someone within German football who felt that the lack of aggression that we see from Dortmund and the lack of a clear plan when it comes to winning the ball back is is really an extension of Lucien's personality. He's, he's just not that kind of guy who's going to get his team fired up to hunt down the opposition, to pressurise them without the ball. It's all about playing themselves, control, control, control. And then when they don't have the ball, they try to sit fairly deep and cut off angles. But that passivity sometimes 
takes on a life of its own. Um, Christoph, there aren't many champions in German football not named Bayern Munich, but you are a champion, a champion of Lucien. Uh, how can you, can you still defend somebody who can't defend? Although I'm not a Borussia Dortmund supporter, I really felt frustrated on, on Saturday. It felt like Groundhog Day. I don't know how many Groundhog Days like this um, did we have with Borussia Dortmund in, in recent times? And, and, and maybe there is a, I mean, obviously there is a point that every team reflects the personality of its, its coach in one way or another. And, and yes, and also this uh, Borussia Dortmund team is reflecting the personality of, of Lucien Favre. And maybe in the end, uh, there is uh, something lacking, and that is um, burning desire. Maybe we can call it burning desire, because that's something uh, Bayern Munich has been showing, uh, especially uh, this year. And uh, yes, on the one hand side, it, it, it has to do with the, with the coach, but it has also to do with the players. And Oliver already mentioned the inexperience of the younger players. Um, uh, that they are able to sustain to play on this high level week after week and maybe also uh, it reflects a bit what, what the more experienced players are, are showing. So uh, different parts come together there and um, I, I, it felt ultimately uh, frustrating, especially when you look at the other result. Um, we surely will be talking about Bayern Munich losing this week, and so this would be <laughs> would have been the chance to go uh, for go for Borussia Dortmund three points clear of of Bayern Munich, and 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 now they are still behind them. And and yes, uh, I think this will be uh, for sure the last season of Lucien Favre at Borussia Dortmund. Well, it, it very much feels that way but uh, who's next Oliver I mean does the post Favre season or post Favre era start now with Dortmund making those moves to make sure that they get somebody else in that they feel more confident in yeah I think uh, maybe if they would have seen a chance to to get a manager that fulfill not only the the positive items you can you can find in Lucien Favre who's very very uh, clever working out tactics who's very very good in in working especially with the young players I mean we should not forget uh, that um, someone like uh, Jaden Sancho someone like uh, Gio Reyna they wouldn't have been this good players in their young age if they wouldn't work with Lucien Favre. And I think this is also a, a very important item for, for the development of the team. And I think uh, the board of Borussia Dortmund, they know what they have with Lucien Favre in spite of uh, all the deficits he has in, in concerning motivation, concerning the emotional approach to push a team. So um, I think in general, that uh, Borussia Dortmund is always looking out for a manager that uh, contains also strategic, tactical uh, items and, of course, has this special facility of motivating a team like Jurgen Klopp. But at the moment, uh, somebody uh, like this, I don't think, is around. So uh, we will see what the future will bring. And I mean, in general, you have to say that uh, Lucien Favre, he didn't become German champion with Borussia Dortmund. That's true. But on the other hand, 
when you take a look of the performances of, of Bayern München during the last two seasons, I don't think that even Jurgen Klopp would have made Borussia Dortmund to become German champion again. No, that is probably true. Uh, still, it feels as if he's there by default, not because Dortmund necessarily believe in him that much. Um, Oliver, thank you very much. i let you go. I understand you have a chimney sweeper coming in uh, today. <laughs> That's supposed to bring good luck. Uh, Germany. I wonder who for. Good luck for Schalke and for Dortmund. Fingers crossed. Thank you very much for being part of the Stahlcast this week. I think Oliver is the only person in uh, in the Ruhr who is wishing luck to Borussia Dortmund and Schalke. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. I really, I mean it. Uh, because, okay, I can confess, uh, whether uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund, uh, not a Schalke 04 fan, I'm a supporter of Arminia Bielefeld. That explains a lot. Yeah. Thank you, Oliver. Harry's sponsors Stylecast, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Andy knew that there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five blade brands. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. I've been lucky to receive a set recently, and I must tell you, not only does it look very cool, it's also an incredibly pleasant way to deal with three months worth of quarantine stubble. Thumbs up from me. As a listener of Starcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95 for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash Stahlcast right now. That's harrys.com forward slash Stahlcast. All right, Oliver Müller there, live from the Ruhr area. Christoph, you mentioned it already. Bayern did lose their first game since December 2019. 4-1 at Hoffenheim. Was this the sort of tired, much rotated, sloppy, post-European action defeat that might provide some hope for the competition this year? Probably a bit, because Hoffenheim showed a way. And that was interesting. Uh, they showed a way how you can defeat uh, Bayern on a, I wouldn't even say bad day, but on a day where you could see that they were tired, that they had been playing uh, three days before in a foreign country, 120 minutes, that they had traveled home and then they had to travel to an away game. I don't think the, the, the players are used to it, but, but on the one hand side, but... Um, But on that special days, um, uh, they looked especially tired, sometimes lacking concentration. Uh, so this typical signs of a certain fatigue. And um, and Hoffenheim was uh, was very courageous. They were very always looking for depths in their in their game, attacking in certain situation, attacking Bayern Munich very high, very interesting and entertaining to watch and. Uh, so that was good fun got good fun to watch and and yes you could see that uh, that there might be a way uh, to defeat Bayern or what do you think <laughs> well yeah I agree I mean Andre Kramerich um, having a great game Hoffenheim's counter-attacking football really working out against Bayern's high line 
problem is if Bayern's high line is just a little bit out of shape, both in the actual physical sense where they are positioned, but also uh, metaphorically speaking, when they're not quite on it and the midfield doesn't press properly, etc., then it becomes very, very risky. And Hoffenheim took full advantage. Uh, Sebastian Hoeneß, uh, incidentally, the nephew of Uli Hoeneß, in charge of this Hoffenheim team after working with the Bayern youth team, registering a very big win against his, his former side. And the deeper issue, I think, is that this defeat exposed or perhaps brought into even sharper relief the problem that Bayern have and uh, as far as the squad is concerned. They've had a lot of players leaving. Uh, they've only so far had Leroy Sané arriving as it stands. And uh, there's some real big problem areas. Uh, there's still no right back to help Benjamin Pavard when he's perhaps uh, not quite on it and uh, he looked uh, short of match fitness. Um, there's still a problem in midfield, which could be become bigger because we understand that Mikael Cuisance is off to Leeds, which is a surprising decision from Bayern, in my point of view. But also... Uh, a fourth winger still missing. So there are there are serious issues. And I think the next six, six days will be really crucial for Bayern. They need to find players that will, will help uh, in very financial difficult times, even for them. And they also need to strengthen to, I think, change a bit of that dynamic. Because you're just beginning to sense that some of the players are feeling that there is not enough being done on the transfer market. And then certainly Hansi Flick feels as if he's carrying the can for problems that are not of his making. And if you know how volatile buying can be, even when they're successful, um, <laughs> it doesn't make for a very sort of, kind of promising you know, situation to go into this very difficult yeah. season. Uh, so, so, but in this context, my, my impression was it was a kind of happy loss uh, because I think some of the players... But especially the team, uh, especially Hansi Flick, wasn't unhappy uh, that they lost and they lost by a high margin and they not just by bad luck or so. To show the bosses at the club, there has something to be done. I, re I remember a week ago, a little interview with Oliver Kahn and they were, he was being asked about transfers and so on. And he was saying like, yeah, but we also have these talented young players and maybe they uh, get a chance. And, um, and, and I think after the uh, trip to Hoffenheim, Everybody on the boardroom level at Bayern Munich was thinking, mm, uh, maybe Hansi Flick has a point when he when he asks uh, for strengthening uh, the the uh, the squad. And um, so I'm I'm really curious what what will happen uh, within the next days uh, before the uh, transfer window is closing. And I find it a bit strange because normally you see a bit more planning at, at, at Bayern Munich, like uh, uh, instead of, ooh, uh, how many days do we have? Uh, oh, six days, so uh, we have to hurry up a bit to, to find us some players. Yeah, well, I think you're right. I mean, a similar situation happened last year when they brought in Philip Coutinho very, very late because he couldn't uh, get an agreement for Leroy Sané or, or he, he got injured, I should say. Um, but yes, they, ha they are leaving it late. I think they were frustrated in their pursuit of uh, Serginho Dest. Yeah, even though um, his move has not been confirmed yet to to Barcelona. So watch this space. Maybe Wednesday's Super Cup game against Dortmund will provide even more ammunition for, for Flick to say, 
we need new players. But, uh, you know, two, two defeats in a row would, uh, would not be, I think, seen as a happy, happy couple of defeats anymore at that point uh, we'll wait and see but before we conclude or, or leave this pod uh, Christoph Mines I mean usually a club where nothing much happens but <laughs> this week um, one of the very few instances where a team managed to get rid of the coach by yeah. not playing at all uh, usually they do that during games but uh, in this case, they managed to preempt that almost by striking in, in midweek. What, what happened there? Uh, no, I, I would disagree. I think they, they uh, didn't go on strike when they were playing uh, against uh, Stuttgart and uh, losing 1-4 in the end. Um, they actually went on strike because one of uh, the players, Adam Scholloy, a Hungarian international, who is also the captain of Hungary's uh, national team he was uh, told by the coach that um, the coach that, uh, didn't want him anymore Achim Bayerlotzer and uh, th that he uh, shouldn't train with the first team and then there was uh, one of these rare acts of solidarity within football because the team refused uh, to train because they uh, didn't accept it Adam Scholloy obviously being a very popular player within his team and uh, although uh, when, when you look at uh, sports he was a more or less a fringe player um, in, in recent months and uh, yeah and that was too much for Achim Bayer-Lotzer who only came in uh, last season uh, from Cologne and um, after they they were losing it against Stuttgart Bayer-Lotzer was gone and and I heard some rumors that uh, even Ruven Schröder the uh, manager the technical director at Mainz he obviously he was there were discussions about him also being sacked maybe for bringing in uh, Bayer-Lotzer I, I, um, there's a lot going on right now at, uh, at Mainz and they brought in uh, Lichte, the assistant coach, as a caretaker manager who can become probably more than a caretaker uh, manager. And um, yeah, uh, crazy times at Mainz. Who would have expected it? <laughs> yeah, we, we certainly <laughs> didn't. Um, uh, lastly, Christoph, I, I made the point in, in, in this week's column that the problems that we see at Schalke, apart from the structural issues and the problems we see at Dortmund to a certain extent, are really two sides of the same coin. Namely, that there just aren't enough top-class coaches in Germany at the moment, or even German-speaking uh, top-class coaches. Do you think that this is true? And, and if, if so, what can be done about this? I think we still have a lot of very talented coaches. And there are some of the talented coaches who who are um, like um, going through a time machine like uh, um, Julian Nagelsmann. He is uh, the super talent and uh, he got the experience, I don't know how, within a, a very short amount of time. So I, I think what we are lacking is probably a, a generation that is 
is not only talented but also has experience but because I think um, yes we can um, uh, overjudge um, uh, experience but but uh, still in many cases it's an uh, important factor and um, uh, and you you have been asking what what can be done I, I think uh, maybe we, uh, we we just have to wait for for some of the talents to develop to flourish and um, uh, give them a bit of time yeah well time is always in short demand um, <laughs> yeah. as in it football, is for this part yeah. um, but I think that is obviously the key the question is as long as clubs especially those below the top six or so promote from within and tend to almost gamble on on young coaches it is always i think very easy for them to just pull the trigger and get the next one in and see if they can work out better um, it's economically possible to basically be short-termist because there aren't big costs involved in, in doing that but perhaps it's not not the best way of of doing this but our time is up thank you very much christoph thanks again to oliver as well and thank you dear listener for tuning in we hope to catch up with you again very very soon bye bye Thank you.